Join Hoda Kotb for a brand new season of her podcast, Making Space. For season five, I am making space to talk to people who are providing a sense of hope and inspiration when life changes course. Uplifting conversations with inspiring individuals like NFL legend Drew Brees, singer-songwriter Ziggy Marley, and today's show co-anchor Savannah Guthrie as you have never heard her before. I found faith more viscerally, not because the bad thing didn't happen, but because it did. I promise you, like me, will leave these conversations with some wisdom for your own journey, empowered and inspired to make space in your own life. New episodes of Making Space with Hoda Kotb are released every Wednesday. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is Ibby Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. I'm also the host of Moms Don't Have Time to Lose Weight, and I'm the editor of the anthology, which you should run out and buy, called Moms Don't Have Time to, a quarantine anthology. All proceeds of that book go to COVID-19 vaccine research. And I'm the editor-in-chief of Moms Don't Have Time to Write, a new publication on Medium, and we're accepting submissions, so please send your personal essays there. And if all that isn't enough, you can follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens, and my website is zibbyowens.com. Okay, now back to this amazing podcast. Happy Monday. My book blast continues for Memoir Monday. This is part two of the memoirs I've been releasing as part of the book blast because I love memoirs and of course other books, but I really love memoirs. Anyway, enjoy this collection of diverse voices, thoughts, feelings, topics, and everything on this Memoir Monday. And you can go back a few days and listen to part one of the memoirs I'm releasing as the book blast. Enjoy. And I hope you connect and really enjoy them like I did. Leila Taraf is the author of Strong Like Water, How I Found the Courage to Lead with Love in Business and Life. Layla is a senior human resource executive with over 25 years of professional experience. After graduating with her MBA from the Haas School of Business at the University of California at Berkeley, she became one of the founding team members at walmart.com. She then served as chief people officer at Pete's Coffee and Tea, an iconic Bay Area premium coffee company. Currently, Layla is the chief people officer at All Birds, focused on leading through a global pandemic and broad social unrest. She's a trusted advisor to entrepreneurs and investors and is a regular guest lecturer at Berkeley Law School. Welcome, Layla. Thanks so much for coming on Moms No Time to Read Books to talk about Strong Like Water, how I found the courage to lead with love in business and in life. I'm so happy to be here, Zibby, truly. Aww. Would you mind telling listeners a little bit about what your book is about and what inspired you to write this memoir? Sure, absolutely. Strong Like Water has been described as a leadership book disguised as a memoir. <laughs> it really doesn't fall into one genre clearly, cleanly. It's it's my personal story. It covers a period of time when I lost my husband and then my father and my mother in pretty quick succession. And at the time I had a young daughter, she was three, and I was in my first year of my first real executive role as the uh, chief people officer of Pete's Coffee and Tea. So it was the first time anything like that big had happened to me. And up until that point in my life, I really kind of held myself as it's fine. It's fine. I've got it. You know, really capable. I call it my hero persona. And it was a moment where I could no longer hold myself in that way. And honestly, I might have tried had I not had a three-year-old that was 
crying and needing comfort. And I was feeling so inadequate because I had suppressed my emotions my whole life. And finally, I said, you know what, if I don't allow myself to feel now, I just knew that I would become hard and brittle and unable to guide my daughter through the kind of healthy grieving and healing that I wanted her to do. And I couldn't expect it from her if I didn't do it myself. And so that the story is really of that journey and how as I went through that journey, I discovered that actually feeling my feelings didn't kill me, didn't weaken me, actually made me stronger and a better mother, a better friend, a better leader. And so what was soft actually turned out to be strong. So that's, that's the story. <laughs> Would you mind explaining what happened with the losses? Sure, sure. My husband died of an accidental overdose. It was very tragic and very sudden, partially because I think I was living this life of not of refusing to look at some very big signs that were out there that there were problems. But again, my coping mechanism was deny, distract, deflect, keep it happy, stay above it. And that was obviously very traumatizing. And then my father had a stroke in his late 60s and short and died shortly thereafter. And then same thing with my mother. And with each successive death, and I know, you know, for a long time, I didn't know how to tell this story because everybody experiences loss, right? For me, those losses end up being ended up being the catalyst for me to recognize that I had numbed myself out to life. And maybe one wouldn't have brought me to this realization, but all three and realizing that I had to get real, be authentic, allow myself to be vulnerable, be present. And that's when I really got to experience life, the bad, but also the good. I realized I had cut off the highs in addition to the lows by keeping myself protected. Well, I'm so sorry that you had to live through this, but the fact that you not only did got so many unintended almost benefits from it, not to put it like so crudely, but then you could share it with the rest of us. That's like a true gift. So thank you for that. (laughs) And I feel like from the very start of your story, I was relating to you in so many ways. I mean, I had, I, and then I was like, should I even admit this when I talked to her? But I had the same thing happen at one of my first jobs after college where I was kind of like (laughs) rolling my eyes and being like, what on earth? Like, come on, speed this meeting up. Like, why is it taking this other woman so long to like articulate two or three points? Like, let's move on with it. Like I could have been doing so much in this time. And then someone had to take me aside and be like, you were kind of rolling your eyes. And I was like, I was? Like, I thought that I felt yes. that. But I, I'm sorry, my <laughs> dog is like shaking in the back. But I guess, I guess I showed it. And you had that same experience. Tell me about that. I did. I did. It's, it's amazing how this one moment 20 years ago sticks in my mind and really got me thinking. I was one of the early employees at walmart.com. There were like 20 of us sitting around a table and we were, you know, starting to build the company. And the CEO at the time, her name was Jean Jackson. And she was, you know, a really experienced executive. She was CEO from Banana Republic. She was an executive at Disney. 
And, you know, it's one of these meetings where they just kind of go on and on. And, you know, I was pretty fresh out of business school and I was just dying to add value. <laughs> and, and the meeting went on and on and, and I, and I was bored and I had a lot of work to do. And I thought I was doing a good job hiding my, my, my boredom and my irritation. And I was not. And as the meeting came to a close, Jean looked at me and everyone was a little scared of her because she, she definitely let you have it if she didn't think you were doing the right thing. And she just looked at me. She like wagged her finger at me, like come over. And I thought, oh gosh, I'm like, I'm, I'm thinking, what did I do? What did I do? I I knew something was was not right. And I walked into her office, and she said, if I ever see you eye rolling like that again, there will be health to pay. That was so disrespectful. And she kind of went off on me. And 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 I and I think she could tell that I was clueless. Like I didn't know what she was talking about. And finally, as as she sort of opened the door to have believed, she said, the point of those meetings is not to, you know, add value, but to bring others along. I'm like, what? Bring others along. What does that even mean? Right. Like, and 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 I actually heard that lesson a few times, right? And I think this is what happens for anyone who you know, you you go through school and you want to get the A, you want to get the gold star, you want to please your parents and your teachers, right? And that's how we we become these little overachievers, right? And 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 that serves us well for a really long time. There's nothing wrong with that. But at some point, as you get into more more complex roles, more senior roles where you have to lead others, you have to let go of this idea that you only create value by you actually producing something. It's really, in the end, it becomes about the others that you're leading, right? And that means removing obstacles for them. That means mentoring. That means coaching, having the hard conversation. So it it very much is not about you <laughs> and all about them. And that journey, sort of from what I say, from we, from me to we, is one I think that many of us who, who sort of climb the management ranks go through. And at first, it's a tough one, right? Because because you want to do it. That's what you were taught to do. So that was the first time I got my hand slapped. And it you know, probably took another 10 years for me to really understand that my value was not in the doing, but in the enabling of others. Wow. Those are good lessons even now. <laughs> I feel like yes. I, I, <laughs> it's good for parenting too, right? And how many times do we want to do it for our kids? I'm like, oh, okay, go ahead. <laughs> Seriously, I know. Because I'm I think the thing that trips me up sometimes is like, I, I can do everything really quickly, you know, like at work, like after school and like all of that training and whatever, like I would get to work and like my work for the day I could do in like, <laughs> in like an hour or something. And I'm like, what am I supposed to do the rest of the day? You know, like, let's, let's go. Like, like what now? And the same thing at times with the kids, I get so like, like, I'm like, oh, let me just do it. And it's the worst. It's, it's the worst. And I, I, it's like, I have to fight against it anyway. <laughs> it's so true, isn't it? Right. I could have been done with this 10 minutes ago. But once again, that's not the point. It's about enabling them. And my daughter is 16 now, so I can really see that, right? Where if it, you know, I'm and, and I and I manage a lot of really young people now. And you can see for 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 young people whose parents have done everything for them, they're ill-equipped to come out into the world because they're used to someone diving in, you know, the helicopter parent and taking care of things for you. So we don't really serve our employees or our children by doing that for them. That's what I try to remind myself every time I'm. <laughs> 
I'm like, okay, now I won't, I won't do it myself. <laughs> yes, exactly. Oh my gosh. Well, even the way you handled your transition from Walmart to Pete's and the way you talked about like discovering this like passion that everybody has for coffee and the way <laughs> even that you interviewed, right. And the questions that you answered and that scene you have in the coffee shop where you went to the wrong place, which is like, oh, so, so something I would have done. But, like you, know, you end up at the store with the CEO and trying to answer all these questions and being surprised and then you land this huge job. Take me back just for a minute to like the beginning of that and like realizing that like now you had to do that job. (laughs) (laughs) It's so true. I felt like such an imposter. I really was so lucky that the CEO at Walmart gave me the chance to do the HR role. I'd never done it. And then I had this interview and I, I actually didn't know a lot of what the answers were, but I, you know, I, could think through them. And I had, you know, pretty good judgment. And in the end, I landed this job where I thought, oh my gosh, am I going to have to do this? And I don't think I wrote this in the book, but I honestly, even after the job was offered to me, I tried to turn it down for a few weeks. And the CEO was like, oh no, you don't. And he got like, he had a hold of me and he's like, explain to me why you don't want I me. Mean, I was so scared. I thought I've gotten myself in over my head. And again, so lucky that he saw something in me and, you know, supported me. And I, I think I what I learned there was, okay, you just act like you know everything. You've got all the answers. You're super strong and capable. That's how I showed up in that meeting. And I got the job. I'm like, okay, you see, that's how you do it. So a- again, I was getting these, these mixed messages. Whenever I acted like I had it all under control, then, you know, things would work well in my professional life not so much in my personal life. And so for a long time, I led this sort of separate life, right? So there was like my professional persona and then my personal. And then over time, I realized that, well, as we all realize that you are, you are one person and I wanted to, to, to knit those pieces together and, and come together. And in order to do that, I had to start to show more of who I really was. And first I had to do that for myself because I had kind of been hiding from all the pieces that, you know, that I, that I didn't, didn't like, I was trying to be perfect and, and strong. And it wasn't until I finally admitted like, okay, I'm not, I'm actually not, all those things all the time, just like all of us, that I started to have actually deeper and better conversations uh, with people. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. 
So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hey, grownups. The Cat in the Hat cast is a new podcast from Wondery. Perfect for the whole family. Join the cat in the hat and your favorite Dr. Seuss characters as they get whisked away on a new adventure every week. Fish dreams of creating his very own polite and quiet podcast. That is, until he gets a surprise visit to his fishful podcast studio from the cat in the hat himself, and it becomes very clear that the cat has other plans for the podcast, and those plans are the opposite of quiet. The cat may be disruptive, but it turns out he's also a great help to get fish out of all kinds of predicaments. Bursting with music, silliness, and rhymes, the Cat in the Hat cast encourages us all to find fun that is funny in every episode. So sing along to new favorite songs, try your luck at titanic tongue twisters, have some fun with wondrous wordplay, and most importantly, bring your family along for all of the adventures in the Cat in the Hat cast. Follow the Cat in the Hat cast on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to the Cat in the Hat cast ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or Wondery Kids Plus in Apple Podcasts. And then why write the book? Yeah, that's a great question. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I started to write, like all of us who write, I think I always had this little thing in the back of my head for decades that thought I might want to write something, right? Even if it was just a tiny little voice, right? And I found that I was starting to lose details of what had happened and what I had learned, really important insights. Uh, And I thought I should just write these down so I don't forget. And I started to journal and then as I started to share some of the stories that I was coming up with with friends, more often than not, they they were they would identify with them and say, oh, yeah, I know what you mean. I do that. Oh, yeah, I can do that. And even now, some of the you know, early reactions I'm getting, I'm, I'm stunned by how many people say that they are identifying with my story or and so I I got to a place where. I decided to publish because I I wanted to make sure that two reasons. I wanted to make sure I had something out there that would not allow me to hide anymore. That was so good at hiding my real feelings and hiding from my feelings and I just thought, you know what? I'm going to I'm going to put this I'd lived in fear for so long. I thought I'm going to just be brave and I'm going to put it out there. And what's interesting is now that I am bringing to light what usually is hidden, you know, all these sort of our broken pieces, our flawed pieces, things that that make us sort of ashamed, what's happening, and it's still early days, it's actually the thing that is ending up connecting me to others. I still have this moment where like, oh my gosh, have I really put this out there? And I have good friends who have reconnected with me. They're like, that was really brave. Like, did you, like, how are you feeling? And I do feel exposed. I do. I I still get a little like, oh, are you going to judge me (laughs) for, for the bad mistakes? And, and, you know, for what I've done in my life that I'm still like, oh gosh, how could I have done that? But the irony is it's just the opposite. It is, it is tapping into that part in everybody else that also has those feelings. And I'm having the most meaningful, deep, intimate conversations with people I've known for decades that I've never had and with 
people like you, like today. And in the end, isn't that what it's all about? We just want to be seen and loved, but we can't have that unless we show ourselves. And so this is this is my big version of finally showing myself after hiding for 40 years. Yeah. Coming out with so, a bang here. <laughs> yes, exactly. Go big or go home. Exactly. Exactly. No, I totally agree. I think that whenever I read people's, you know, most raw, emotional, you know, confessional admissions of the things that they're least proud of. It's the most, I feel connected because we, none of us are perfect, even the perfectionists among us, right? Deep down, we all are messing up all the time and it's just, it catches up with you in some way, shape or form. So to know that it's not That's just right. you is is very almost empowering. You know? And com- and comforting yeah, on comforting some level, is a better word. Think? Yeah, yeah, comforting. And what I also, it just reaffirms to me that while the details of my story are unique to me and personal to me, the journey I've been on and continue to be on of self-discovery, that is the universal journey, right? Like understanding ourselves better as we grow and through self-reflection or however we want to do it, yoga, doing the work hopefully brings down you know our blind spots our constructs our narratives and 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 that is how we show ourselves more and that is how what connects us and i love that women are telling their stories now men are telling stories too but women are such natural storytellers that mm-hmm. i feel like all of us are doing this and that is what is bringing us together in community and yeah. in stronger connection. Kind of, it's going with this Me Too movement, cultural norm, norms breaking. Women are less, of, one of the wonderful things about the young people I'm working with is they're not as afraid. Mm-hmm. They'll they'll put it out there. And I just think that's amazing. Yep. That's what's going to bring us together. It's so true. I mean, I don't know if it was just the introduction of women into the workforce or as people got used to it, but I just felt like, I don't know, even just a decade or two, there was so much rivalry all the time between women. Like I remember when I first started working, I was like, oh gosh, I hope I, I mean, I I don't know if I can say this, but I was like, I hope I don't have a woman boss because women bosses are so mean, (laughs) you know, like the men, they just like asked me what I needed to do and I did it. And if I messed up, they said, oh, you messed that up. And I was like, oh, okay, no problem. I'll fix it. But like the women, it was really tough. I mean, not to say I had some really wonderful women bosses as well, but you know, there was that culture almost of like, yes, like having to prove yourself by being rude to other women. And now it's all shifted. Thank goodness. And probably not everywhere, but isn't that amazing? I, I, I've, I've experienced the same thing, you know, uh, and I think a few reasons for that. I think one is there were fewer women. So the women that were there mm-hmm. were like, this is my seat, That's true. Yep. <laughs> right? Because there weren't that many seats to go around. <laughs> and I think the women that got to the top, you know, 20 years ago had to do it in a man's way because, because that was the form of power. Right. And that's also been my learning, which is I can be strong and powerful, but I can also at the same time be kind and compassionate and empathetic. And it doesn't take away any of my agency. And I think, I think leaders are realizing that now men and women, and that is, I think what is so amazing about this cultural shift that's happening, that we're starting to admit that and understand that even with my, one of my uh, bosses the other, the other day, I have two, two CEOs, we were, we were going at it. And he said to me, listen, when you say this, that makes me feel bad. And when he said that, I was like, oh my God, 
no one would have said that 20 years ago. And I thought, you're right. I'm sorry. And it just took us to this other level. So the fact that we're having that honest of conversations at work now, I just think is is awesome. That's amazing. So Layla, what is next for you? You have this book out. What's coming next? Like, what are you excited about? I'm excited about being at Allbirds. Do you know Allbirds, Mm -hmm. uh, the company I work for? Yeah, yeah. Okay. We are in this crazy high growth phase. And I think I have another book in me. And maybe this next one is more of the how-to. And I haven't quite quite gotten the, the the theme down yet, but it's it's going to have it's going to continue to talk about how the answer for so many things is not usually one extreme or the other, right? It's I, I I'm all, I've been fascinated by the duality of life, right? My title, Strong Like Water, is after the Lao Tzu quote, which really talks about how water is soft, but it can be strong, it can carve rock. And I find that to be true in just about everything. You're trying to build a, a high performance culture, drive for results, all these like go, go, go. And at the same time, you want to create community and culture and connection and belonging. And a lot of times those feel like they're on opposite ends of the spectrum. But I really think what they are is the intersection of two circles. I'm always drawing these two intersecting intersecting circles. And I'm saying that middle part is the sweet spot. And you can't make a straight line through it. It's sort of attacking back and forth. And so I think my next book will capture all the ways that we need to tack back and forth between the dualities of how we grow in a healthy and humane way, how we grow without losing our souls. There's so much focus on you know getting big and making a lot of money, but then we kind of lose ourselves in the process. So how can we have a little bit of both? Can we have them? I don't know. We'll see. That's awesome. Yeah, I feel like all birds are like all the rage, right? You know, it's a good moment. <laughs> you always- it, it, it is. <laughs> That's awesome. We, we've had a good run. <laughs> what advice would you have for aspiring authors? Well, I feel like I'm such a new author. I think the, the most important thing is just write. Don't censor yourself. Don't try to get it just right, just perfect. Because, right, what is Brene Brown? She calls it the shitty first draft, right? I say that, SFD. And that's what it is. You just have to, I think I wrote for a whole year until I found my voice and figured out what I wanted to write. And if you're judging yourself and censoring yourself and listening to the inner critic and trying to get it exactly perfect, you'll never write. And so just recognize that the process is in all the messiness and that eventually it will come out and you'll put form and shape and the narrative arc and and all of that. And also to come into community with other authors, because I think writing is, can be, can be very isolating, right? It's, and, and when you share with other authors, if you're having a down moment, if you're in agony, if you can't figure something else out, it, it, I think it helps to know that you're, you're part of a larger community and a creative community. So true. Wow. Well, I'm so glad we connected today. Thanks for your book, letting me relive that part of my <laughs> my life for so long ago. You're like, oh gosh. I know, I know. No, and the losses you've gone through and the way you've gotten through them and the way you've shared your story is is really awesome. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time to read the book. I'm still amazed that you can do all this. 
I don't know, hanging by a thread over here. But <laughs> but you know what? I love it. I just love it. So it's a pleasure. Like reading, I mean, it's a pleasure to read. Yes. Like how, you know, woe is me. This well, is- it's interesting. I was listening to one of your other podcasts the other day. I don't remember who it was with, but, and I also say this in my book, the anecdote for stress is not rest, it's wholehearted living. So if you love reading books, then it actually fills you up, it right? Does. Yes. It's not a chore. Yes. The emails, on the other hand, <laughs> it's the, it's <laughs> not the, so much, sometimes. not so much the emails, but I love these conversations and I love reading books. And so that's all great. It's, it's all great. It's just a lot. That's all. So yes. Anyway. Yes. Well, you're doing an amazing job and I love, I love what you're building and it helps bring us all together. So thanks, nice Well, I hope I get to meet you. Where are you in the world, by the way? Me too. I'm in California, but when this whole thing opens, which it is, I, I would love to come out and meet you in, in New York. Your thing, your retreat that you put out there was gone in like three seconds. I'm like, wait, I didn't even know this was happening. It, that, there are a few, I opened up a new block of rooms. So there are like, oh, you did? there are a couple of rooms left if you want to come. Yeah. They're at the, okay, there's an inn nearby called the Weekapog Inn and it's owned by the same people. It's really lovely, has adorable rooms and everything. And I, I have like three, three or four rooms left. So, I missed that. I'm going to go back and look at all it. All right. It's on ziviowens.com and go under the travel thing. Okay. I will. I will. Under, under more rooms available. <laughs> <laughs> all right. That's awesome. Thank you, Zivi. Okay. Have a good day. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to part of my June book blast. I hope you enjoy it. Come back tomorrow for more. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music.